0: Okay, this is uh, May 7th, uh, 2009. I'm Sidney Hart, the senior historian of the National Portrait Gallery, and we're talking today to Susan Miller Havens, uh, portrait artist who painted the Portrait Gallery's uh, wonderful portrait of Carlton Fisk, uh, baseball player, catcher for the Boston Red Sox and the Chicago White Sox. And we'd like to ask her a few questions about. Uh, her portrait of uh, Colton Fisk and other sports figures uh, that she has painted. <clears throat> the Portrait Gallery uh, has your wonderful portrait of Colin Fisk, and we were wondering uh, if you have painted other sports figures, uh, which ones you've done, which ones you might want to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I've painted three Pedro Martinez and 14 Fisks, two Dennis Eckersleys, one Jim Rice one Louis Tiant, one Mike Matheny, one Pat Riley with Alonzo Mourning and, uh, um, and Timmy Hardaway, also Alonzo Mourning and Timmy Hardaway alone, Patrick Ewing, John Starks, Ike Austin, Antoine Walker, and John Valentin.
0: Which ones, which ones would you like to do uh, currently playing today?
1: Well, I I feel as though I've pretty much said what I wanted to say about what I think about the human condition using athletes as my images to talk about it. So I wouldn't rule out doing a commission, but I think that each of these players, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later, represent a, a kind of quality quality in the human condition that I was looking to try to portray through art. Um, the one the one person I think I'd really like to paint is Coach Pat Riley alone or perhaps with his favorite players. Um, I've already painted a private commission for him and I still think that he is a very interesting subject and that he represents a part of um, American sports that's that uh, is essential so he still he still fascinates me so that would be be one I would like to do
0: you've you've talked about basically basketball players <clears throat> baseball players mm-hmm. um and I was wondering whether you saw any difference between the basketball player, the baseball you know if we could say the quintessential baseball player, the quintessential basketball player, and are there other sports that you've that you've gotten into and 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 would that would that be a different type if if you did um hockey players coming from the Boston area, one would imagine that hockey's a huge sport have you have you done any of those
1: um my, my feeling and also what I was taught in, 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 uh, when I was learning about painting and about painting people is that it's very difficult to paint what you don't know. And what I, what I mean by that is that um, I don't know hockey and I, and I don't know skiing and I don't know, um, what else, lacrosse. I'd um, I i do not really um, I could study it I suspect but these were the two these were the two sports that I felt that I knew enough I knew enough about um, to be able to say something about and I I think that that for me because I did have a career in uh, the medical world um, I spent a lot of time as a as a surgical nurse, putting bodies back together. I spent a lot of time um, looking at autopsies, which is the greatest way to learn about the body <laughs> um, but also anatomy and physiology really made it um, much much easier to understand and i I mean I think this leads into another another question in terms of um, do you need to know anything else to paint athletes than you do to paint somebody else and they do teach a lot of anatomy and physiology and art class now so you you can get a lot of that Um, but I would think it would be great to act not only watch athletes but um, to spend time with a with a trainer or with an injured athlete and and really try to understand how these these uh, incredible bodies work.
0: Let me get to um, another thing I wanted to ask you because it, it certainly was um, uh, very evident in your in your uh, portrait of Colin Fisk, <clears throat> and that is you you our file has you on that painting has you talking about how you use uh, photos and video, and I wanted you to talk about that in terms of how you do. Your portraits of these sports figures because they're not sitting in a chair in a suit.
1: Well, what I, as I said before, you um, you can't you can't paint what you don't know, and athletes athletes are in motion, and we know that we know that Degas and Tissot. And Jerome, number of other artists who painted athletes um, were using at that time very early forms of photography. And um, there are fast sketch artists there are there are people who sit at courtside and sketch there are cr- cartoonists and, and of course photography. Um, my, my feeling was that I what I going back to my interest in in human nature I wasn't as interested in the action as I was in a moment in time or a moment before the action or a moment after the action so what I wanted to do was to use photography to see if I if I could capture that and then bring maybe a hundred images back, black and and always black and white, back to my studio and see, did I really get what I was thinking about?
0: So you took all the... I didn't understand that. So it was photos that you took, not not ones that you found.
1: Well, some of them I... In the beginning, some of them I did find. And I, I had a particular problem with pictures because it's very hard to be... It's very hard to photograph pictures without an enormously powerful, um, uh, what should I say, a a zoom that's used by the sports photographers who are in the sports pit. So there were two or three sports photographers whose work I liked. And what we did when I first started working in this, I would see something that they had done. There were two of them in particular. And I called them and and told them that I was a painter and asked them permission to use the pose that they had gotten. And we actually had um, a contract together. So they would give me permission to use the pose. I would give them what I would call a photo contribution credit. And I also gave them a percentage of the sale. And uh, I felt that that was the right thing to do. I I didn't... um, I didn't think that it... I mean, I believed that that was their copywritten work, and I wanted to be very careful about that. But what I did do was to take the pose and then rearrange it and certainly make my own color changes and whatever else, but rearrange it on the canvas or in space or enlarge it or make it smaller or crop it or, or whatever. The other thing that I... Um, that I did was to enlarge what I'd gotten into um, a, what would look like when you make these things very large—just dots and um, just the outline of the pose. So, in a sense, um, it would look like a, it looked like a pattern. So then I would draw an outline with ink, and then I and I used. Uh, a lot of old fat old Renaissance techniques um, for a number of pieces, so there'd be the gray underpainting um, and then I would work up I used to say from the inside out the other the other some of these paintings were done in reverse, which is the more modern technique of applying paint directly the, to the cam, canvas. So it all depends where you want the light to be coming from. Do you want it to be shining up from inside somewhere, or do you want it to be shining um, directly on the surface?
0: But then there's <clears throat> there's the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I take it that you saw all of these athletes play, mm-hmm. and how you know when you look at the Carlton Fisk. Um, He's he's in. It seemed to me that he he's in process of moving or just having moved. I mean, there's it, there's there's definitely something dynamic to the painting. It, it's anything but static. Right. How do you, is that looking at videos? Your memory of how he moved? How do you, how do you do that? How did you get, capture that? Well,
1: I didn't. Wa- I I didn't look at videos. I really wa- I watched him play, um, because he was still playing then when I painted this. He was just about ready to leave Chicago, I believe. Um, and I did, look at a lot, I did look at a lot of photographs, um, but I also read a lot about him. And that's something that I think is very important, not just statistics, but what he, what he stood for. Um, and I also, I also talked to people who had known him and um that was very helpful so i was really trying to gather as much visual and um factual information as i could and i was interested in the way in in a certain a certain command that he had um over teams that was very unusual and i i wanted to figure out what that was so i did do a lot of reading, and I think I learned what it
0: was. Uh, I was going to ask you about special training to do athletes, but let me just go a step beyond that uh, and ask you if you've played sports. Do you think it's necessary if you're going to um, focus as intently as you have on sports figures to play a sport to kind of know firsthand what that's about?
1: Well, I was a great lefty softball player in grammar school (laughs) I don't think it's necessary but it certainly does give you a feeling for what it's like to hit the ball out of the park and it also I mean any team sport is gonna make you feel like you're the member a member of a team and you are don't want to be letting people down and it's also fun and it's it's heartbreaking I played a little basketball um and I grew up in a family that was, were Brooklyn Dodgers fans before, the, before television. So we listened to everything on radio. And when I think back now, I probably knew a lot more about it than I thought because um, my family knew what they were. They would describe what was, what was happening by just listening to it on the radio. Um, and in fact, Carlton Fisk told me that he still prefers to listen to it on the radio rather than watch it. Um, it's pretty, and it is pretty easy to visualize, I think. But I, I wouldn't think that. I don't know whether somebody would really have to be athletic. I think you'd need to understand the game because it's pretty complicated.
0: Okay, let's let's get to. Um Colton Fisk, I mean, you're a baseball fan. You were in Boston, but you didn't see him playing in Boston. You saw him playing when he was in Chicago Mm -hmm. on the Chicago White Sox. Um, And at some point you made a decision, well, I I want to paint this guy. Why?
1: The athletes that I decided that I wanted to paint, I decided I wanted them to be exceptional in some way. The thing that struck me about him um... was that there was something heroic about him um... there was something about his standards that um... although it was might have been difficult at times for his teammates he had very very high standards for the game and he didn't not he did not tolerate cheating he um... He didn't, on either side of, of a team. The other thing was that he was an old-fashioned catcher in the sense that he, he caught the game um, the way it was done before there were so many um, plate umpires who were telling everybody whether they should run what or even coaching the catcher as to what sort of pitch should be thrown. And he was clearly the captain of his ship he had a he had a plan um, the pitchers listened to him they They did not tell him that they weren't going to do what he wanted them to do next. He said that when he was older, he told me that when he was in Chicago he had a lot of difficulty with the younger pitchers who didn't who would just refuse to do what he wanted to do um, The other thing. The other way that he controlled the game was that he did everything on Fisk's time and he moved very slowly. So when he um, crouched down, for instance, he would crouch down slowly. Now the pitcher knew this, of course, but the batter was there trying to deal with this. And uh, batters have said that that you began to feel that you were paying attention to Fisk instead of the pitcher and that that was a sudden disaster because you could hear him moving behind you or not moving behind you. The other thing he did, of course, was when he was batting himself was to take about as long as he could to get into the batter's box. He'd get in there and then he'd step out so in his own way he did control the pace of the game and um, the other thing that interested me was that he had grown up in a in a rural town in new england um, and he he had had a you know he'd had not an uncomplicated life as a young man working um, i'm not sure whether they actually had a working farm or not but they um, his parents had very high standards and um, there it, it seemed to me that the whatever the work ethic was that he had grown up with he had transferred to baseball and I thought that was I thought it was it was exceptional and of course you did also see in in his fierceness and that's part of what I'm trying to say in this painting um, is that he just would not tolerate things that weren't perfect. Things that didn't, you know, didn't work the way he intended them to do.
0: Since you're going into the psyches of these individuals, Mm -hmm. let's talk about your background as a therapist and how you think uh, it may have given you some insights into painting these Mm -hmm. men.
1: Well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, this is this is my second career. I had 20 years in the mental health field, um, and I have a doctorate in human development, and I was a surgical nurse, and I was a psychotherapist, and I ran inpatient services. Um, so people have always been of great interest to me, um, and I would say that the other part of this is that you're, one of the things that you're taught in terms of ob- observing people in medicine is, is to look for the slightest indication of illness. So you're looking to see, for instance, if somebody's eye is bloodshot or the skin color of someone is, is changing. You know, it's a, it's a signal the same thing in in psychiatric work where you may be talking to someone who doesn't feel very well in their own minds and at some point the expression or the affect or the tone of their voice changes and what you're what you're taught is to listen for that and wonder about it so um all of these things have absolutely helped me capture not only will not only talk to these individuals, but also capture some of those very subtle moments in time um, when n- no one's really looking and the photographers aren't there. Um, and there, there's a painting I did of Alonzo Mourning, for instance, who I always saw as a, as a gladiator, really. I mean, he's, he is an, an elegant, extraordinary player um and fierce as well. But I did a I did a piece um when he was in before in the shoot around before a game and he was very, very contemplative and he was basically just sort of fooling around, sort of um fussing around with his hands, fussing in deep thought. You know, he was just completely somewhere else. And I thought that, that gave you know, that gave us Less of a feeling of this you know famous at that time, anyway, very famous player, and just a little bit more of the subtlety of what might be in some other part of his life
0: um, and and this this has been asked uh, of you several times, um, as far as I know, um, no woman athletes. how come
1: well what i what i thought was that that men have painted women forever and very few women have painted men now there there are multiple reasons for that i'm sure but um what i noticed was some of the the women who began to paint men, and there's a whole, there was a whole show and a whole book on this, I think, in the early feminist era, um, was that women would paint men um, in a way that was sort of uh, softening them on, and making them into, you know, very sweet, dear people. Other times, there was this great, you know, hero the, the man, the masculine as as the hero. And then there was a group of radical feminists who were painting these very castrating paintings of men in which they were revealing a real hatred for them. And um, I, I wondered what the alternative was because here I was painting in the 1990s. And so I thought, wouldn't it be great to be able to paint a man recognizing, acknowledging that there's a gender difference between men and women and painting so-called a a masculine physique or however you want to say it, um, but also trying to get to a unique personality that both men and women share. That in other words, there's a time where, where gender fades and and you can have um a man who is um tremendously dear just as well as you can have a woman who's tremendously fierce and i just somehow i wanted i wanted to cross that and i didn't um so again, I wasn't just thinking about painting athletes. In other words, oh, well, why aren't you painting women athletes now? You don't have that in your in your CV as it were. And um I was much more trying to get at the human condition. So that's that's why I didn't do it. And I I did eventually when I finished the athletes series, I did begin a whole series of um Women and their friendships and relationships with other women, and I did um, portraits of women as well. Um, but I just didn't feel like I wanted to be pushed in the the goal within the trying to to paint um, to paint men in a more favorable way, not either either are either their you know heroes or they're, or they're just um, weaklings or they're I don't know what difficult so that was that was the reason I didn't do it
0: okay yes it's it's a this is a good place to end I think the end of the interview is to um, invite all of those who have not seen uh, Susan Miller Haven's picture of Carlton Fisk to come to the portrait gallery and look at it Um, it's 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 I think the best picture Uh, of a sports figure that we have in the gallery. Uh, And uh, for baseball fans, um, you'll love it.